0: Welcome to the Mediate.com podcast with Veronica Kramer. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another great episode of the podcast. And today I'm excited because we are going to talk about mediating the business divorce with guest Margot Thomas. And I think today's episode is going to be of special interest because as I'm reflecting back on all of our episodes I think this is the first time that we're getting the attorney perspective on what makes an effective mediation. So I'm really excited about that. By way of background, Margot is an experienced lawyer and speaker with 15 plus years of experience representing individuals and small businesses in commercial and real estate litigation, including class action cases and numerous trials on behalf of both plaintiffs and defendants. She specializes in commercial landlord-tenant disputes business partnership disputes, and contract disputes, and has traveled throughout the country as a faculty lecturer, educating over 4,000 attorneys on business litigation issues. Margot is also a contributor to the American Bar Association's commercial lending treatise, and has been recognized as a super lawyer's rising star from 2013 to 2022, and a top lawyer by Northern Virginia Magazine in 2022. In addition to managing her own law firm, Margot is actively involved in various bar associations and nonprofit organizations, including the Old Dominion Bar Association and the George Mason Inn of Court. In her spare time, Margot enjoys spending time with her family and cooking healthy meals as the founder of Vegetable Forward, an organization dedicated to promoting positive food values and nutrition through community gardening. So with that, Margot, welcome to the Mediate.com podcast, and thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Veronica.
0: Yeah, so this is going to be great fun. So as I mentioned, I'm super excited because today we get to pick the brain of an attorney representing (laughs) clients in mediation, right? How exciting. And I thought the way that we could start, so when I think about just the word divorce. I think about it within the context of family disputes, right? So a couple breaking up, maybe they are dividing assets and liabilities. If they have children, they might be thinking about a parenting plan, that sort of thing. So can you tell me from a a business perspective, when we talk about a business divorce, what does that mean? What does that look like?
1: So conventionally, that meant a court order dissolution of an entity through which the parties were doing business. But the typical way that it comes up in my practice is there's two or more business partners or owners, and they want to separate from each other or another business partner. They routinely want to do that outside of the court process to keep costs down, to do it more efficiently. And there's some type of adversarial relationship between them or another partner, which is creating some type of impasse that they're trying to get through so that they can go their separate ways.
0: That makes sense. And can you talk a little bit about, I mean, what might be some of the event, events that might occur that would trigger this sort of thing, like to cause partners to want to dissolve their business relationship?
1: So similar to actual divorce, I think the number one cause is a communication breakdown or misaligned expectations and that can run the gamut from performance to level of engagement to the direction of the company to business finances. I mean, it just is all across the board, but it really stems from their inability to effectively communicate or, you know, figure out a way forward that they both can live with with respect to the lifeblood of the business. So
0: let's talk about, you know. Now, business partners are at the point of they have a dispute, they know they want to part ways. As we think about mediation as an option, I know you mentioned that you know, partners may be looking to resolve the dispute outside of a courtroom and perhaps you use mediation. So you're an attorney, you represent clients in business partnership disputes. What do you see as effective mediation? And what I'm thinking about is, you know, I'm thinking about there's different styles of mediation. So there's the facilitative style. There's the evaluative style. Mediators have different approaches. Some might be more familiar with the area of law. Um, What do you see having representing clients at these mediations? What do you see as effective mediation?
1: So that's a great question. I think that both the facilitator and evaluator style or hats as I call them are really important and I think it's important to be able to switch between the hats at particular points in a mediation. I mean at the beginning of a mediation, it may be more effective to listen and actively listen to allow the parties to be heard and be more in a facilitator role between, you know, the different sides of the dispute. And at some point later on in the mediation, it may be more effective to switch to more of the evaluator role and weigh in on some arguments or positions that the parties have taken uh, that may have created the impasse. But I think specifically for business divorces, I think it's really important for me to find a mediator that's going to be able to successfully help the parties focus on the skills um, that they were able to hone to make them become successful business owners rather than on making principle an issue. And I had a mediator who said to me, you know, principle is a crowded platform. And I'll never forget that because I feel like a lot of the business disputes are grounded in a principle related issue. Like I feel like I wasn't heard. I feel taken advantage of, I feel, you know, whatever the emotion may be, but you know, that's usually what's fueling the impasse. But what I like about business divorces is that the individuals that are usually involved have a very, they have honed a skill that allows them to make very difficult decisions, sometimes with a little bit of information and have been able to make very effective decisions in growing their business and making it successful. And a lot of that comes down to dollars, you know, dollars and cents, um, timeframes, um, positioning, marketing, things like that. And, they understand those principles very well, and I think that it's important to find a mediator who is who is able to help them focus on those skills versus on the principle and the feelings that may have stunted their ability to move past this because there is this personal relationship with the other person.
0: That's interesting, and I'm I'm curious to kind of unpack that further because it almost sounds like, so I'm thinking about So I've read about this, kind of a couple different ways um, parties make decisions. And one is like more of a values-based approach. And when you talked about kind of the principles, what I thought about is, you know, so I haven't mediated business uh, partnership disputes or anything like that, but just other mediations, the concept of fairness comes up, that principle. And sometimes if you have a participant that is focused more on that values-based decision making, then everything is evaluated through the lens of what feels fair to me versus another type of decision making is that cost benefit approach, You know, time, money, whatever the case may be. So it sounds like from what you're saying is what you found is most effective is a mediator who can guide participants in making that shift from more of an emotional or values-based decision-making model to a cost-benefit analysis, decision-making model, something like that. I think
1: that hits the nail on the head because I think that business owners usually deal with the cost and the benefit in making decisions, or maybe even just a feeling that this is a better deal than a than, you know, option A is better than option B. But when dealing with someone that you know and trust and have been in this type of business relationship with, that ability may be clouded a little bit and your judgment may be more dependent on fairness. And at the end of the day, I think I was listening to a prior podcast and they were talking about everybody being the hero of their own story. It's not important that we agree on that principle in order to move this forward. And I think that it's important to understand that um, we don't have to agree that you were wronged by this person. We really, because in business divorces, there's only usually three ways out of this. Like I'm going to buy you out. You're going to buy me out. We're going to sell the whole thing to somebody else. And neither of those outcomes requires us to agree on who was wronged in this relationship. We need to agree on a price. We need to agree on what direction money is moving. And, you know, there's some tangential things about, you know, management and employees and other things that flow from that. But none of that requires us to agree on this principle of fairness. And there may have been a party that was wronged here, but it's not like other practice areas where that determination needs to, even if it were to go to court, that determination may not be I mean, a court is going to determine whether the business can move forward and function. And if it can't, they're going to sell the assets, pay the liabilities, and the parties are going to go their separate ways. So at no point is there going to be that type of analysis for this type of dispute. So I think it's more important than in other disputes that um, the mediator be able to focus the parties towards this cost-benefit analysis, because that's what the court would do ultimately um, if it were to go forward in litigation.
0: I'm curious, at what point in the dispute do you think that mediation is most effective? Is it at a pre-lawsuit phase? Is it once a lawsuit's been filed and maybe parties have done some targeted discovery? At what point do you think it's most effective?
1: My experience, I have done mediations at all different phases. We have done mediation before a lawsuit has even been filed. We have drafted a complaint and sent it and said, maybe this makes sense to mediate. Even before that, we've had um, operating agreements that provide for mediation before we even think about litigation, even before a lawsuit is filed. Um, Right after a lawsuit is filed, while dispositive motions are pending, um, pre-trial, I've even had mediations after trial while cases were on appeal and be able to resolve them at that level. And I personally believe that the most effective time frame is when there is like cross motions for summary judgment are a great time for, or a motion to dismiss, or, or there's some pending decision that is going to be made that's going to affect the trajectory of the case. And both parties are unsure about exactly which way that decision is going to go. And I think that that uncertainty makes people more inclined to bend a little bit to reach a mutual resolution because they want to make a decision outside of a third party making a decision that they have to live with. Because, you know, there's some buy-in if we go to mediation and you decide versus this unknown third person that, you know, you don't know that is going to make a decision that's going to affect something that you really care about. I mean, businesses are to people like their children, you know? And it's very hard to have a person that you don't even know look at this at a lens that you may not see it through, make a decision that's going to affect your life. So I think that it helps both sides um, come to the table, um, negotiate in good faith, lean in a little bit more if there's this looming decision that's going to be made one way or another with respect to the case.
0: That makes sense. And from your perspective, you know when you've done these mediations do you want your mediator to have an understanding of the legal issues like do you are you looking for attorney mediators um or are you looking for mediators who maybe aren't attorneys that maybe have certain industry experience kind of what's the the background of the mediators that you're looking for
1: i'm always looking for mediators that have experience in the area, and just a lot of experience in mediation, probably more so experience in mediation than in our specific area. I think there are some overlap between different practice areas, and I've, I've said before, you know, just because you're a good lawyer doesn't necessarily mean you're a great mediator. I think there are different skill sets, and there are people that are great mediators that are able to actively listen Um, And help parties um, move past impasse, no matter what that impasse is. There are some specific cases where there is, it is necessary for the media to weigh in on a legal issue that is going to help move this forward. So I think it's important to have that tool in their toolbox, so to speak. But um, understanding how the mediation process works and moving from facilitator and evaluator and just having a general understanding of the law, I think, and doing a lot of mediations, having a lot of experience in it, I think is really invaluable.
0: And what do you think are some of the pitfalls for, you know, as you reflect on mediations that you've represented clients at, what do you think are some of the pitfalls for mediator to avoid, for the parties to avoid in mediation?
1: I think there's two. One of the big ones is um, rushing the process. I've had situations where mediators have left prior to a resolution being memorialized. And I think that that is a huge pitfall because the, the mediators in those situations were like, yeah, you know, you guys are represent, you know, you have two attorneys on both sides. You guys are perfectly competent and able to draft whatever it is, memorialize the agreement. So that we can be done. So I'm just going to leave at this point and you guys go do that. And, you know, it's something about the mediator leaving, that it's just inevitable things are going to fall, fall apart at that point. And I've seen that happen because, you know, there are discussions that occur that you're not in. And that creates a a lot of ambiguity. I mean, it is A lot of times the mediator will go back and forth and you will have very little time as the attorney speaking with the other attorney about what the agreement is. So the mediator has the best idea of what the parties agreed to and why. So when that aspect leaves and then you're left to memorializing something, there could be a piece or something that wasn't communicated that you know needs to be memorialized that you don't have because the mediator is gone. Um, I've also had situations where the mediator said, well, you know, we've reached our time limit. Let's come back tomorrow. And we had made a lot of momentum. And I think that momentum is a fundamental concept in mediation. If there's a way to get the parties to make just a couple of yeses, to move a few small rocks in the direction and get some momentum going, then to stop the mediation at a specific time and say, let's come back tomorrow can completely stall and can stall negotiations, can basically kill the deal. So... I think that it's really important to recognize when you have that momentum and to keep it going, because we could be this close to reaching a resolution and then go home and be back to square one the next day. People will go to sleep and wake up and, you know, it's just a totally different ball game. And if it is not written down and agreed to, it's like we wasted yesterday because we weren't able to agree on a f- few specific points that we could write down and say, look, we have an agreement on these things. So I think that timing something that's really important. And I think that is a pitfall. And, you know, I just caution when people, when mediators say I need to leave (laughs) like and go handle this, I'm always like, red flag, red flag, (laughs) please just stay another 10 minutes. We'll work, you know, even if we can get a term sheet, anything written down and agreed to and signed by everybody, I think that's better than um, nothing. So I think that's a big one. I also talk a lot about unconscious bias. I think that's a, a big one too, and not necessarily a pitfall, but I think it's something that mediators and even attorneys need to recognize that we have in certain situations. I don't think it's so much about overcoming unconscious bias, but I think just recognizing that we have it. I think that we have um, proclivities of just believing one side of a story over another or a background kind of creates a perspective on a certain issue that, you know, we bring into the conversation before we even hear from the parties. sometimes. And I think it's important to just um, recognize that we have that when going into these situations where we need to, to reach a resolution.
0: Yeah, that's all really great, valuable feedback. I mean, like I said, at the outset, it's, it's not often that you have the chance to talk to an attorney and, and get their feedback in terms of what's valuable. What do they think is helpful in terms of helping clients move forward? So yeah, I mean, this is all, this is all fantastic, great stuff. I really appreciate it. Um, You know, like I said, this is all really great food for thought. And, you know, as mediators think about what they can do to continuously improve, um, are there any other, any other points of feedback or anything that you want to give in terms of what you have found effective in your mediations?
1: Um, I think that's a great question. I, I think that, and I, I've said it several times today, know, I think that listening is a huge part of it. I think that preparation is a huge part of it. Um, the more that we can do before we get into the mediation, I think, is going to have um, a huge effect on the outcome. I have had a number of mediators spend a lot of time in pre-mediation discussions with both sides or, you know, each side individually, digesting all the information and in the statements, asking for more information if it's needed, understanding what the clients need in order to move forward. And I think it's really helpful for the mediator to ask that question to the attorneys. Like, you know, your clients better than I do, you know, do they hate people in robes? Do they, are they, happy to be in this process or they feel like they're being drugged into a room they don't want to be in you know is there a way that i can gain some rapport with your client please tell me and i think that's that's really helpful and for me to be able to say look my client is this is their background this is how they view things this is you know so that they don't walk into the room blind either you know and they ha- they know what to expect i mean as the lawyer i think that we're in a great position to help the mediator facilitate that discussion with our client and gain some trust and when mediators, you know, are open to that discussion or engage in that, I think it's certainly helpful and moves the mediation along um, much quicker and effective, more effectively.
0: And that's the real value of mediation, too, is that, you know, mediators have the ability to customize the process to the needs of the participants. And so one thing I wanted to ask you just to wrap things up, I wanted to get your take. So from your perspective to caucus or not to caucus in these mediations so are you, are you a fan of joint session or separate rooms for the parties
1: it depends on the the type of mediation in some circumstances as the attorney i've never met or talked to the client on the other side and sometimes just having them in the room while there's an argument being made by their attorney and being able to assess their reaction or credibility or their demeanor even if they're not talking I think can be very helpful there's very few times where you're going to be outside of a deposition going to be all at a table together so I think that that can be very valuable but I think that there's also situations where tempers are very high and it can create a backwards uh just backwards momentum when people are just fueled and, you know, just their emotions are, you know, they came calm and then they (laughs) heard this argument by the other side. And now, you know, it takes two hours to talk them off the ledge so that they can sit down and, and, you know, listen to what's going on. And I don't feel like that is helpful. So I think it's kind of just assessing, you know, who the clients are. You know, sometimes with business owners, there's not you know, they don't hate each other. This is not like there's certain areas of law where it's like a victim and an, an accuser or, you know, and it, I think that that can be much more difficult to put everybody in the room. But in these type of disputes, usually not so much. Um, the people, the business owners are usually working with each other or still, you know, have some relationship or they're family members. So they're going to have some relationship going forward. So, you know, I think it can be very effective. Um, I also think attorney-only sessions are very effective when used at the right time um, because there are attorneys that know each other very well. I mean, if you're in this practice area, we see a lot of the same people. And um, I think it can be very effective to have the mediator and both attorneys in a room together to try to hammer out some details.
0: Yeah. And that's uh, that's really great feedback. and. You know, one thing I wanted to pull out from what you just shared is in terms of managing parties' emotions and avoiding that like negative momentum, if you will, right? I think I've said it before on this podcast. I'll say it again. I mean, I think from the mediator's perspective, managing the emotion of anger is probably the most important emotion to manage because anger just, it makes participants less able to perceive risk and it makes people... um, you know, people can say things that they don't mean, or, or or walk away from settlement offers before they actually give them thoughtful consideration. So, yeah, I hear you. I mean, that's to me, that's like the most that's the most important emotion to manage in the process. Um, I
1: agree,
0: Margot. I mean, this has been this has been such an enlightening conversation, and you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show. If there's any listener who wants to to learn about your practice, learn about your work, how can they do so?
1: Our website is thomaslawplc.com. My email is mthomas at thomaslawplc.com and the phone number is 703-957-2577. Um, I am a business dispute nerd, so if you have any questions or comments or just want to talk about anything that was discussed in the podcast today, I will, you know, enjoy um, having that discussion because I really love this practice area and would love it to discuss it with any of the listeners.
0: Well, fantastic. And and thanks for putting that out there. And what I'll do in the show notes for this episode, I'll go ahead and put a link to your website so that listeners can easily access that.
1: Wonderful. Thank you.
0: Well, Margot, like I said, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it.
1: I appreciate you having me. Have a great one.
0: Thanks. You too. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. We'll talk to you next time. This podcast was brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.mediate.com.